Smartcast. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hold on to your butts. We are changing the course of history as we see it. That is what Westman demands. Now this affects Iris. Um, Iris, where are you? What you feel only matters to you. I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as it is is vexing enough. Iris, I have a tip for you. Don't take drugs! Or whatever movies with Wesley and Iris. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley! Today we're talking a movie from 2023. Say, say the whole thing. The Super Mario Brothers movie. Not to be confused with Super Mario Bros, which universally people say brothers, even though it only says bros. Oh yeah, you're right. Technically it would be the Super Mario Bros movie, which sounds weird. Yep. Why is that? Is Super Mario Bros the official title of the video game? Yes. There's never been brothers in full print. Thankfully, nobody makes this mistake. That's a mistake? To read it correctly would be a mistake? No. Well, like culturally, yeah. Nobody says Super Mario Bros. (laughs) I was so worried upon first viewing when I saw the commercial. I was like, no, they're not going to keep that accent up the whole movie, are they? Did you have the same response? Yeah. Is it too much? Is it that too much? Uh, yeah, he does an Italian accent, I think, but it's pretty light. Italian New York. Yeah, yeah. And by him, I mean Chris Pratt, who when I saw the casting, I was like, come on. I mean, granted, he was in the Disney movie Onward, but I don't think of him as a voice actor. And he seems, it seems to work out. I think the voices were really well cast. I think no one could be more perfect for Donkey Kong for some reason than Seth Rogen. Oh my gosh. As soon as he did his little laugh on the I-beam, I was like, Seth Rogen. I was trying to ID all of these actors. and In fact, Anya Taylor-Joy was driving me crazy. Really? I was like, who is this? I know this voice. It's like assertive and clear and Anya Taylor-Joy. You know, it's funny that you don't think of Chris Pratt as a voice actor because he's the greatest as Emmett in the Lego movie. (laughs) Yeah, that's funny. Like, that's what I think of when I think of his voice acting. And so in this way, I couldn't, I didn't recognize him in this movie. I was like, that's Chris Pratt? Like, he really put on a different voice. And Jack Black was almost, until he sang, unrecognizable. It's weird because Bowser actually kind of looks like Jack Black. I mean, obviously they do that. But he seems perfectly cast, maybe a little bit too perfectly. What was the movie where we discussed, like, it was, oh, it was uh, Ursula. It was uh, Melissa McCarthy as Ursula and the Little Mermaid. Just, like, too perfect. Like, of course it's right. Jack Black. Of course right. he's going to sing in this movie. And boy, that Peaches song went like super viral for a second. And now I can't even listen to it. 
Oh, the girls are obsessed. They went to bed singing it last night. Right? I probably did too the first time, which is why it went viral. When I saw this movie in the theater literally months ago, but I just, I can't, I can't anymore. He can only say peaches so many times. <laughs> well, I never got enough of Dougie Doug Doug from The Hangover, <laughs> so I guess I have a high tolerance for peaches, which is a good thing because it's all around my house right now. Oh, man. Dougie Doug Doug. Dougie Doug Doug. That was funny. I didn't forget about the Lego movie, but who produced the Lego movie? It wasn't Illumination. Onward, the previous Chris Pratt movie was was Pixar. Has he cornered every like major animation studio? Is this the trifecta for Chris Pratt? Because I didn't regard Illumination particularly highly. I mean, you know, what do they got? They got like Despicable Me and Minions and and that's all fine and great. But boy, it seems like Super Mario Brothers movie was tailor-made for the kind of animation that Illumination does. Super colorful, mm. super bright, not at all realistic, like not photorealistic in the slightest. It was mm -hmm. a cartoon through and through. And it's so bizarre because you start out and you're like, okay, you're establishing, getting your footing in the world of... Brooklyn? Brooklyn. No sleep till Brooklyn. Brooklyn. And, uh, right. And then they go to the Mushroom Kingdom and you make that transition seamlessly. And it's a world full of creatures and monsters and power-ups and stuff. And then you come back to Brooklyn and the only difference is it's quote-unquote humans with giant heads. And they're not used to Donkey Kongs and toads and stuff. But it looks basically the same. Like the idea that that Brooklyn would be the quote-unquote real world is absurd. That's true. Even Mario and Luigi themselves as characters were kind of strange. Like, they're not children, right? Are they young adults? Yeah, they're young adults. They have mustaches, man. She calls him mustache at the end. That's true. And the um, servant, who was that servant imitating? Servant? The hunchback. Who is Bowser's servant imitating? Frankenstein's assistant, Igor? Igor! Yeah. Yes, Igor. That's why I was like, it starts with an U, but then no, I was wrong. He refers to him being mustachioed, like a mustachioed plumber has, <laughs> <laughs> has shown up with the princess or whatever. But anyway, okay, so they're young adults, but they're just small. They're just like a short Italian men. Yeah, I mean, that's a stereotype. But she's like, you're human, but you're so small, but with a disproportionately large head. I'm not going to say he's a little person. I'm just saying that Mario's iconic stature is diminutive. Yeah. Yeah, so they're just extrapolating like if Mario and Luigi are the nor are the human and the normal baseline, then everything is kind of normalized from there and that and that this is a an appropriately sized and colored and proportioned New York sure. for our main characters. So yeah, they're adults, but young enough so that their dad, who Mario's desperately trying to please, doesn't have a lot of gray. He's just a slightly older, slightly balder Mario. <sighs> what I say? What I say was, what did I say di taken directly from Saturday Night Fever? Probably. I mean, is there another Brooklyn Italian iconic family? <laughs> I mean, there probably is. Moonstruck, but maybe? Uh, but that's the most recently reviewed. You're right. So we're talking about whether this was perfectly cast or cast on the nose. And there's kind of a fine line. I was concerned, for sure, when I saw the cast list. I think it's more, it's like relievingly cast. Relief. It was cast in a way that brought you relief. Yep. It's All right. Like, ah, they, like they actually did their work. They didn't just phone it in and choose like the voice of the month. True. Even though Chris Pratt is kind of like the voice of the month. 
Yeah, I was a little concerned that he might have been overused, but he was so different in this that I, it didn't feel tired. Um, you felt like it was animated appropriately, not only for illumination, but for the franchise. How did you feel it was adapted? You understand Super Mario Brothers, the game games <laughs> well no the world is far too vast i find some irony maybe in the alanis morissette sense in the idea that i was born and grew up and saw all the super mario like i was around when the first super mario game was released and yet i'm so far behind it doesn't matter because I think for the true heyday of Mario, I was uh, maybe aged out of it. Like Yoshi's coming and there's 100% going to be another movie. And that wasn't really my era. I never had a Nintendo 64, but there was enough so that obviously I recognize certain things. But it is so dense. I got to tell you, man, I watched a YouTube video with all of the references throwbacks and stuff and all the homages to the games it's like 18 minutes long and it is non-stop there are hundreds thousands of references to every single game and mario strikes the iconic pose here when they break through the wall it's in the shape of an 8-bit mario head they have the thing from mario odyssey and this and that and poses and he does the thing here and he wears a suit from there and it's like wow like princess peach says there are a lot of universes out there and i think that they're going to explain most of them, if possible, for financial gain with Super Mario Brothers movie spin-offs and sequels. But every scene was chock full of references, however obscure, from the vast universe of the Mario games. I'm sure some fan wiki site has listed all of the tributes, all of the illusions, all of the little inside jokes, of which there were many. And I, I kind of felt like in revisiting the movie, it was definitely the parts that weren't all fan service that moved the story forward. The first time I'm watching it, it's like, oh, you see that little construction site he just walked through? That was totally a level. Right. And the wonder of arriving in the Mushroom Kingdom, like you, you can kind of revel in that. But I imagine that upon repeat viewing, all of the fan service stuff is like, all right, that's just the stuff you need to get through for the plot to continue to move forward. Well, it's consistent. It's not like they stop down for fan service. If there's a master list, they must be still compiling it because this movie was released not that long ago and it would take frame by frame. It did take frame by frame detail for the video that I watched. Everything from the signage to, oh, did you know Luigi's ringtone is the boot sound for the Nintendo 64 and stuff? And it's like, it is extensive. And was it necessary? Are they leaving Easter eggs for the super fans to revisit over and over again? I think the strength here and the success of the myriad references and throwbacks is that there's something available for every level of fan, regardless of dedication. Um, I have played many Super Mario Brothers games in my life and got a lot of them, but it's through happenstance. Kelly Ray has played a number of games on the Switch, uh, in particular the Luigi stuff, I don't know if you know, but was straight from Luigi's Mansion, of which there are three, where he goes to a haunted house. And so when he's like, Mario's like, there's no reason to be afraid. And he's like, that's kind of my thing. And then later, like bravery or whatever is his thing. But all that stuff of Luigi on his own, trembling with the flashlight in the dark realm or whatever, all that stuff is taken from Luigi's games. And that stuff I got. But I was shocked at how much I didn't get that somebody out there got. every. I think every last one, there was some weird, obscure thing where a fan's like, oh, I know that. 
Yeah. So I was going to ask, like, oh, does Bowser's Island fly and anchor itself in different worlds? I was going to ask, is this the Mario Luigi dynamic or did they play that up for dramatic purposes? Like, I feel like all of those questions are just moot because it's clear that everything in this film was intentional. Yeah, that's it's very deliberate. They definitely made sure that it moved forward while also while even adding a few new things, but also being very deliberate in their choices. Absolutely right. Okay. But ultimately, I don't think that it got in the way of the story, which was not terribly original, but probably rooted in some backstory and, and narrative. But basically, despite what the IMDb mini synopsis suggests, Mario is not trying to save a captured princess. Mario is actually on a mission to save his brother. How Mario knows that Luigi is in the Darklands, I'm not exactly sure, but he knows that he's got to save him somehow, some way. And so he teams up with the princess, who then has the idea to team up with the Jungle Kingdom. Yep, they need the uh, the Kongs or the, the donkeys or whatever to help to <laughs> set, help save the Mushroom Kingdom. That's her goal before she meets Mario. Exactly. And so they have dual purposes, but are going to use the same means to achieve different ends. And again, there are things that move the story forward that are not tied to the game. So they're not tied to the lore. They are, but they, they're also making a different story. And there are unique elements to this game. Because let me tell you. This movie? See what I did there? Wow. Uh, Princess Peach in this movie does not need saving. Definitely not. Uh, if anything, she saves Mario and she is ready and understands power-ups, knows she's been training. She's got her own training course or whatever. She's got all the power-ups on lock. Uh, she has different outfits and stuff for every occasion. Motorbike riding and jumping and, and Princess Elsaing and all this stuff. <laughs> Princess Elsaing. She definitely does a thing, which is new. Like, I don't think in any game Princess Peach has ever used an ice flower power-up. So she's throwing ice left and right and stuff. Oh, right. There were ice flowers and there were fire flowers. Is that right? At least in terms of Princess Peach, I think, yes, absolutely. That is a new development where she's never used those power-ups in any game before. Okay, so they're even pushing it forward. Yeah. Why are the... So they're Kongs? Why are they Donkey Kongs? I have no idea. I think it has, like, the Kong has got to be the Japanese stuff, right? Like King Kong? King Kong way preceding Donkey Kong. But I don't know if Kong means something because Donkey Kong is Japanese. No, Donkey Kong is Japanese. I don't know that King Kong was Japanese despite King Kong being in a movie or two or five or half a dozen with Godzilla. Oof. It's far-reaching, and it spans continents. A okay. As a species, they are the Kong Kingdom, right? The Kongdom? Wow. And donkeys? <laughs> Nothing. Maybe Donkey okay. Kong, Donkey Ape, is some kind of Godzilla-Gojira hybrid. <laughs> and now we've come full circle. Yeah, okay. We just accept these things. Okay, but he's Donkey Kong, and they're, they're not all Donkey Kongs. There's Diddy Kong. Yeah. But they're Kongs. And Grandpa and Kong. Seth Rogen is just, is the only Donkey Kong. So maybe it's just a name. Maybe. And is Kitty Mario a thing? Kitty Mario? Like when he becomes miniaturized? Yeah, when he becomes a cat and he kicks Donkey Kong's butt. Oh, Kitty with a T. Yeah. that Those are yeah. definitely suits. 
Super Mario Brothers 3 is where they introduced the raccoon suit and he could like use his tail to swipe and also to fly for some reason. I don't know where the cat suit originated, but uh, he definitely gets some raccoon tail swipes in this movie and does the cat thing to evade Donkey Kong in the arena battle. So in terms of being a Super Mario fan, what was the moment in the movie where you were like, yeah! Was it Mario Kart? No, it wasn't because that was after my time. I think I've played Mario Kart like one time and it was beautiful. Like it was all glowing and on Mario's face and stuff and, and on things around him. So that looked really cool, but I never really played that game. So f probably for me, it was old. I, I found the most joy in the most obvious casting of Seth Rogen as Donkey Kong. So when he was laughing and throwing barrels at Mario and Mario even threw a barrel at him, that was probably the most fun for me. Mm. Uh, aside from just a general 2D scrolling level jumping thing that they were doing once they left their shop and went to the pipe that would take them in different directions and they're hopping yeah. around the construction. That was obviously throwback, but the Donkey Kong stuff uh, fight was probably the most fun for me, arguably. It was a lot of fun. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. What about the the Bowser stuff? Yeah, Bowser's fine, but I was never that, that good. Because when I played Mario, I was too young to ever get really far. So most of the interactions with, I'm even vaguely unclear about who Bowser is. Is Bowser King Koopa, as portrayed by Dennis Hopper in the, not to be confused with, Super Mario Bros movie. So there's a... Bowser is, a, I think, the newest incarnation. It's like the difference between Pluto and Brutus or Bluto. There might even be a Bluto in the Popeye universe. It's like all these different names for the main villain. <laughs> You're just saying words. So what I did is I took Super Mario Brothers references from the 80s and I tied them to the Popeye references from like <laughs> from the, the, the 50s. 50s? Yeah. That's how old I am. Wow, dating yourself much. Right? Well, Bowser is a modern day villain, sympathetic villain who really just wants to catch the eye of the princess and is so, so like adorably misguided in that pursuit. I think is a pretty compelling villain. Ah, feel bad for that dude. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm talking about. You, you can definitely sympathize for our, our villain and, you know, Peach just turns him down like so ruthlessly oh. that you you kind of can't help but feel bad for him. But then when you think about him taking out the penguins, you're like, well, he kind of deserves it. He seems like a great modern day villain. And it's not like him being a turtle makes any le more or less sense than our protagonists being plumbers. Like this is just the world that we live in at the, and the world that we've come to accept over the last, you know, 40, 50 some odd years. It's just weird to me, though, that, like, were all of the Yoshis his 
servants were the Yoshi's turtles. Again, Yoshi a little bit after my era. I know he rides a Yoshi. I know that Yoshi has a sticky tongue or whatever. Did you note that all the Yoshis in the Yoshi world, none of them were green? Because we're saving green Yoshi for Yoshi Yoshi because our Yoshi is not to be confused with any of those Yoshis. Those, but okay. But are the Yoshis turtles? Are they turtles? No, they're dinosaurs. Oh, okay. But they belong to the to Bowser's kingdom. You got me, man. Bowser's thing is turtles and like like just reptiles in general, which I suppose okay. dinosaurs could be arguably. Depends on your modern definition. But Bowser's def- if Bowser's a turtle, he's definitely a dragon turtle or a snapping turtle at the very least. Okay. But as far as modern villains go, I think this one is buried in a kid's cartoon because I do think this movie is definitely meant for kids. But it has the real aspect of the broken hearted big dude who's pining for the hot blonde and thus becomes a supervillain because is driven mad by rage and, and, and rejection. Like that's a very real supervillain dynamic that I think is overlooked. Because really he's fire and destroy the mushroom kingdom and all that stuff. But then when he's finally brought to his knees, he's like, I'm, I'm sorry, just can I, can I have one more chance? And she, in true hot blonde girl fashion, is like, ew, no. And he just crumbles. It's so sad. <laughs> Feeling a little close to home, Wes? <sighs> <laughs> Uh, I think what you're saying is there's a super villain inside of you that's been held at bay by a super hot blonde in your life. (laughs) I'm saying that it's a possibility that's a direction that one could have gone, not saying me, but definitely some have fallen victim to that. And the the extent to which your super villainy extends is just based on your resources. Like I can't affect world domination because I don't have the budget. Mm. Well, how did Bowser amass his fortune? I don't know. He just collecting art like star artifacts and other power ups throughout the universes. Yeah. And heat energy, like Mm -hmm. uh, thermal energy from his Mm -hmm. lava kingdom. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we're talking about the lore and we're talking about the animation and stuff like that, because there really isn't much to pick apart in terms of the story. Like it moves, it it trucks along. We go from world to world, which is a lot of asset creation. Right. They didn't stick in one world. They had to create thousands of assets to populate these different worlds. So they really put like a lot of resources, obviously, in this movie. And if this is the movie that they're hanging the Super Mario universe on, then maybe it's the foundation that they need to do that because this movie performed really well. Oh, yeah. I mean, I do think this movie looked great. And I always felt that the minions and the Despicable Me's were a little bit slight. But like I said, I think this movie is perfectly positioned to do very well, not only for its success, but because of its color and light, its vibrance and fun and all that stuff. It felt good. I can't find fault. Mario is obviously the star. Why they are the Super Mario Brothers instead of the Super Nash. Oh, do you actually know what Mario's last name is? This has nothing to do with the movie whatsoever. Oh, good point. Why are they the Super Mario Brothers? Right? Like when, they're not when that's his name and not Luigi's name. But it doesn't matter because they're separated for a lot of this movie anyway until it's convenient. What's Super Mar? What's Super Mario? What's Mario's last name? Nintendo officially released that Mario's last name, and obviously they transpose surnames and you know in Japan in a way that they don't do in America. 
Mario's real last name in Japan is Itsumi. As in Itsumi Mario? You're going to make me do it. As in Itsumi Mario. (laughs) No, they did it. Yep. So Mario is supposed to be American. Mario is supposed to be from Brooklyn in New York. And so they maybe couldn't play that joke because he's Italian. But man, that's a good that's a good last name. That's not really his last name. It's Sumi. It's a good joke, but it's not real. It's a hundred percent real. It's as real as Mario is real. No, for real. I'm. I fully admit how gullible I am. Is it? Are you making a joke? That's the statement that Nintendo released. What do you want me to do? Shut there up. There are levels no. of realism in the world. I will send you the link. It's absolutely for real. If I could have made that up, I would be richer than I am, which is to say not at all rich. So what is it about the Super Mario Brothers that makes this successful with an onslaught of fan service and references that doesn't make it tiresome? Like I guess people regarded Ready Player One. They threw every property that they could possibly license at that movie and people were like, eh, but it works somehow in spectacular success by a box office fashion for Super Mario Brothers movie. Do you know that this movie has four, count them, four directors? And you would think with that many cooks in the kitchen, things would go awry. Maybe it's just the utter simplicity of the story, which in itself is a duality. Mario is trying to rescue Luigi. He should be trying to rescue Peach, but Peach is trying to save her kingdom because she's beset upon by a Harvey Weinstein style suitor. Ooh, I don't know if we want to go there. And that's it. Those are the plots. And there's so much lore and fun and cool set pieces, if you can call them sets, that the rest of the movie takes care of itself. I mean, Donkey Kong's introduction is extensive and just there's no shortage of things for them to do or of things to happen to them. Interesting. Ready Player One's an interesting comparison. I guess the big difference is, you know, Ready Player One is like pan pop culture, whereas this is pretty rooted in the Super Mario universe, which is more vast than any one generation. This is an intergenerational film that has Easter eggs for any generation where you're like OG playing Super Mario World on the Game Boy or you're playing Super Mario Odyssey on the Switch. There's something for every Mario fan. And you're relying on your young children to bring you into this world. I am. I absolutely am. And it was a delight to be able to watch this movie with the girls who there was plenty for them. It wasn't too scary, but it was kind of like right on the edge. It wasn't like overtly violent, right? It was more funny. And they're like putting people in cages and stuff. Remember when the turtle got murdered? He got flamed into like a a ghost skeleton turtle, which is funny because that's a real character and just as cute. But man, that turtle got killed in public. (laughs) He did. But then he made like a cute little face afterwards. And you're like, oh, he's okay. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) Plus, you don't ask dumb questions. Right. And that is a lesson you want to teach young children. Exactly. As like a Beetlejuice level death. It's all good because you're just changing color. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I I would dare to say that they probably enjoyed it as much as you did. That's a big deal. Yep. As lessons for kids go, you're confined by the lore. And it's kind of tenuous. You got to be careful. Don't eat mushrooms, kids. So is this a washer? 
Oh yeah, I, absolutely. You're going to get what you're going to get. You're like, oh, I get that. Or, oh, I recognize that. It's a washer on a subconscious level where stuff that you've heard your entire life. If you went to see this movie, you're a fan on some level and they're going to give you a thing. Even if you don't quite remember the boot sound for the Nintendo 64 or subconsciously you see the shape of Mario's head in the wall, which I didn't get, which fits perfectly when they break through the wall. It's all there and enough of it will hit your filter that you understand it and find some level of joy. It's throwing throwing everything they have against a wall and seeing what sticks uh, subjectively. So don't question why the turtles are bad or what a Donkey Kong actually is or why they why our main characters are plumbers or where the princess is from. You just simply go with the flow with the Super Mario Brothers movie and enjoy the ride. Yeah, we'll we'll get there the next one. When Yoshi is a dinosaur but has his, has an existential crisis because he comes from the race of bad creatures or whatever, we'll see how to man, how to navigate that when we get there. Sure. I think we've got some time to settle in and enjoy this universe, but not a bad start for the Super Mario Brothers movie. And I'm glad that we're finally getting around to reviewing it here at Or Whatever Movies and your final rating is. This is what I've been trying to. It's so much fun and it's so light and airy and and pays so much homage to basically an entire lifetime of content and properties. Is it a is it a well-made movie? I don't know. But I think it's a real contender for best animated feature at the Academy Awards just because it's fun inexplicably made by committee and by a company that doesn't really do animation. Nintendo hasn't made a movie in 30 years or something. Uh, I think it works extremely well. And for the kind of movie that it is, it is totally. I don't think anybody who is going to actively seek out the Super Mario Bros. movie can be disappointed. Uh, you have everything from the perspective of playing a game to a cartoon to a vast world that doesn't feel thrown together. I mean, I, I guess it, it is in a way. It just seems random. But in this context, it all works because it's modern day lore, fantasy lore. It's just as involved as Middle Earth. I think you snuck a totally in there. I think I snuck a totally. Like T-O-T-T-A-L-L-Y. Yeah. Wait, is there two T's? And I can't, I, I just can't not be old. I feel old when watching this and that's my fault. That's takeaway number one. Takeaway number two, sit back and enjoy Super Mario Bros. Because we're going to see a lot more of it in the future. And that is our discussion on the Super Mario Brothers movie from 2023. You got a totally surprise. Wow. A totally for reals? He's Japanese. Wes is in a generous mood today because we got a totally from Wes and a good from Iris. <clears throat> it was a biased Japanese totally. Is that what you're saying? Yep. And that's our discussion on the Super Mario Brothers movie. Available on demand now and I'm sure streaming everywhere very, very soon. If you like this review, give us a call. 818-850-4073 is our hotline. You can reach us at or whatever movies at gmail.com. Check us out on Instagram. Pay us money on Patreon because we love your support and hearing from you. Also, if you enjoyed this review and 200 plus others at or whatever movies.com, please give us a five star rating on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.
Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric acid. Miles, are you ready to record our promo for season two of the Wanna Bet podcast? David, have you ever seen a grown man naked? Miles, we're not here to quote lines from Airplane. We're here to tell people that season two starts August 18th. But I like Airplane. I know you do, but Wanna Bet is a sports betting podcast. Each week we bet $1,000 on the NFL teams and games that we love. Well, that sounds like fun. It is fun. And last year you picked over 60% of your games correctly. How'd you do? We're not talking about that. We are telling people that they can find us every Friday. So no more movie quotes. Roger, Roger. Electric Acid. Electric Acid.